Hello and welcome to Rationally Rating. I'm Dave Old. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 43, Audience Feedback. So yeah, we've been mentioning a few times that we want to talk about this before and how we deal with audience feedback and the different value you can get out of it. Yeah, so we'll start with the the kinds of feedback that you get when you put a work out there, mm-hmm. right? Or the, the nature of... Feedback of on the how, internet. Of feedback on the internet, yeah. Because if you're, if you're posting things, usually it's going to be on the internet, even if you're doing like... Um, self-publishing or an ebook or something. Mm-hmm. Most of that feedback back is going to be on the internet. It's going to be in internet reviews, or it's going to be discussions on forums, or people send you emails or or private messages on Reddit or whatever. Right. Which is so it's a different thing from let's say one-on-one feedback that you might get from beta readers, and a different thing from if you're at like a writing group or something, and you get you know like continuous discussion feedback from people about your writing that they just read. Yeah, on fanfic.net, it's uh, usually in the form of reviews, mm-hmm. although I've got, I get private messages, too, yep. which are less common. But it's less common for a private message to, to be a uh, in the form of feedback about the story. Right. Although it's, I don't know, it's, it kind of goes both ways. A lot of reviews, you know, might start some something fairly basic, and then once you leave a response uh, as the author, it kind of turns into private uh, messaging like it doesn't become a, like their response doesn't become a review and your response to the review doesn't become public so sometimes you get a lot of good feedback from private messaging but like usually it starts as a review yeah so big thing that i think you need to understand about online feedback is that most people will not leave it mm-hmm. there is a, a thing called pareto's principle which is that 20 percent of the causes will produce 80 percent of the effects so if you look at this applies to a whole bunch of things. It's related to power laws, basically. Um, if you look at like pollution, uh, 80% of pollution is caused by 20% of the people, right? And it's very much the same for online feedback. Is uh, 80% of the feedback comes from 20% of the people. There's just people who, I guess, are really into feedback rather than being sort of more passive mm-hmm. consumers. It can make it difficult to know what is good feedback and not good feedback, but what's representative feedback, right? Because if you have 10 people who read your story and one of them leaves you feedback, then you don't actually know what the other nine people thought, mm-hmm. right? So as an example, uh, Worth the Candle chapters 86 and 87 had 2.7 thousand views on Reddit. Um, but then the chapters themselves had 100... It had 142 upvotes and then 156 comments from about 50 people. So we could get in a whole discussion about uh, how hits and views are calculated on various platforms, but figure maybe 2,000 people viewed it. There were like 150 who had any interaction at all other than clicking the link and either reading the discussion or actually reading chapters, right? right? So that's sort of the silent majority, and you have no way of knowing how representative the people who are actually commenting or leaving reviews, how representative they actually are. Mm-hmm. And I think you run into a lot of selection effects there because if you get like, if you really piss off like 1% of your audience, <laughs> you'll, you'll probably hear from them. And then the 99% who didn't really care. Yeah. You, you don't really know. And since you tend to hear from the extremes, there'll be that effect of at any given time. If you go on like, for example, subreddit for uh, a video game, like this, the subreddit could be in a state of of like uproar about like something about the game, like something that was changed in the game or something like that that like they didn't like 
right? And a lot of the feedback will come from people who are like upset over the change. Uh, and you'll get very little, if any, feedback about people who are like happy about the change. Because uh, the people who are happy about the change are just playing the game for the most part, right? right? You might, you might get some people who are, who are like there just to express like how much they enjoyed it or like to argue back against people who dislike something about the game. But like similarly, a lot of people who enjoy reading stories, if they don't like leave like comments constantly or review for like every, every chapter or something like that, they'll just read the chapter, enjoy it, and then like move on with their life. Yeah. So it's worth, it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, if you get a lot of uh, negative feedback that, you know, it's like you said, selection effect. But at the same time, it's also worth noting, I think, that if you get a large pushback in feedback, um, in reader feedback or like criticism, it didn't come out of nowhere, right? Like it's it didn't it's not like that happens every chapter necessarily. Something about this chapter clearly made some people feel very strongly, and you don't yeah. really know what portion of the audience that is, but it's worth it's worth like taking note of. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's easy to tell what you pressed mm-hmm. um, for people like i think worth the candle had a chapter where a sensitive subject was raised and mm-hmm. then i got a lot of a lot more feedback and a lot more of it negative for that which i didn't really phase me because i kind of anticipated it mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 hard to tell but yeah i definitely agree that that those feedback and especially changes in feedback i i think are are very valuable if you can see that sort of delta in discussion that can tell you a lot more whereas it can be sort of difficult if the feedback stays constant. I guess that tells you stuff too. I, I would look at the changes in feedback more than necessarily the feedback mm-hmm. itself. Because I've, I, for again, for Worth the Candle, there have been sort of consistent feedback that I've gotten of people who, just, like, it didn't click for them or something. And that's sort of stayed at a kind of steady rate as yeah. I've gone. And it, I just, I sort of like, well, I mean, it's not working for these people. Yeah, strategies as as writer for me is always just like try to look for trends between chapters. So if you if you consistently get feedback on something specific about your writing, like dialogue is you know a little bit stiff, or this character always comes off sounding like you know like take the their dialogue always takes me out of the story or something like that. Like that's good feedback that I want a lot of because that's like I know it's not like oh this situation just kind of like didn't hit like emotionally hit for this reader or something like that, which is good information too. But like it's always going to be up in the air subjective. But if consistently yeah. chapter to chapter I get feedback on like certain characters not being engaging enough or the dialogue not being good or something like that, like that's something that I, I really want to focus in on. And so that kind of like long view, taking the long view to, to reader feedback is kind of my most kind of where I feel like I get the most value out of like looking at reviews. It's like taking taking feedback in, looking back at previous feedback and, and noticing patterns to address in future writing. But there is also occasionally times when I'll get like a huge amount of feedback for one particular chapter about something that didn't work for a lot of people. And like, usually I'll, I'll, I'll feel that way myself too. Like it, this happened twice for, for Pokemon was, uh, one was the first interlude, uh, which was chapter six and, and like nothing really happened in the original version of it. And like I rewrote more than half the chapter, like within, the, within the first week after, after publishing just to like make it more engaging. And the second was Bill's chapter, which I still think is one of the weaker chapters in the story. Yeah. But I've also edited it like a few times since it first came out to try to help with that. Um, so, so those are those two, those two kind of different like interesting ways of getting, I would say, 
actionable feedback is looking at the patterns of feedback that you get consistently throughout the story that don't that don't have to do with specific things that come out as they come out and then also if you get a whole bunch of feedback on this one specific thing you kind of like search your feelings you know it to be true yeah I, th- I think a lot of the time you can get, especially on like Reddit discussion, you can sort of get your audience feedback is not so much individuals reading the story and then shooting you feedback, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they read the story and then they see what other people are saying. And sometimes it's hard to know, you know, if someone just like brings something up in a comment and then people are like, oh yeah, that's like, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, because that issue came to the forefront in that chapter, or is it because is it because someone was articulate in voicing a problem that they had? Yeah. And it's one of the things that I try to do when I'm looking at different audience feedback is understanding like the composition of the audience. Because I think sometimes you get linked, especially if you're just starting a story out, um, you'll get like recommendations from places. If you're doing well, mm-hmm. you'll get rec- recommendations from places or it'll get posted somewhere and you get sort of an influx of a different kind of audience, right? Especially so if you are, if you start out and you're like just posting to the R rational subreddit, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get people from like space battles or right, right. Um, sufficient velocity who, who have different uh, ideas about what a story should be. And if you don't, know that new audience members are coming in from somewhere it can be kind of confusing as like why 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 are why did this like tone change or yeah. like where did this extra feedback come from is what what happened exactly mm-hmm. i've had that for a couple different stories where i'm just like why why the heck is this story that i posted like six months ago suddenly have seven different reviews on it you, that just came from nowhere uh, the other thing I want to say is that just about audience composition and what feedback is like on the internet is mm-hmm. that it can be very hard when you're starting out because you don't get a lot. Yeah. It can, I, it's just people don't want to take a chance on a story that's just starting out because a lot of them just die instantly. Yeah. The, the, the number of stories that die within the first like chapter or two. So people don't really want to take a chance. And so it's kind of hard when you're starting out because you'll get like one comment and then. <laughs> it's like okay, no one's reading this, uh, and I have no idea whether it's good or not because yeah, that that's what beta beta readers are really valuable for. Yeah, you want you want that kind of more immediate feedback when you're when you're starting out early because you kind of like try like that's when you would catch all the like major issues your story might have, or all the like things to find out like what what's working, what's not working, and also feedback just generally works very well as as source of encouragement. Getting feedback is a huge motivation for writing stories online i think like i can't speak for like any other uh writer but i have heard similar things from others before that just like when you get that flood of uh, reviews after posting a chapter out like that's part of the uh enjoyment process of, of posting it online as opposed to just like writing it and then just keeping it like on your computer or whatever yeah uh, that's mostly the case for me mm-hmm. is where i if i am not posting it online and it's just sort of sitting there it isn't like it's like completing the circuit yeah. for me. Yeah. It's much easier for it to just kind of languish eventually. Yeah. Which a lot of a lot of stories do. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying short stories out more and more lately just because like it's something that I always felt like I was really really bad at and not just short stories and flash fiction but also just like novel length novels, I should say, like instead of writing something that I intended to be, you know, 
80,000 words, 100,000 words, and then it just turns into, like, an epic fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, like I, haven't, I haven't posted any of them that I've written online yet, but part of the thing that comes from it is just, like, getting, like, getting to the point where I feel like the feedback from these would be valuable to me, where, like, it's like a weird balancing act, right? Where it's like, I want feedback on, on certain things, but other things I don't feel like are ready to be shown to other people yet. So it's an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting kind of tension I feel like between, cause I know a lot of other writers that also will say, or, or people who are starting out writing who will say something like, oh, it's not good enough yet, or I, I don't want other people to read it till it's done, which I think is mostly counterproductive. But at the same time, I totally get the impulse of like, this does not meet my standards for other people to read it yet. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting tension there for a lot of writers too, in terms of what role feedback gives in terms of when you're starting out or when you're writing something, you know, that hasn't gone through a lot of editing yet and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And overall, I would say like, you know, it's okay to want to make sure that something is more or less clean or more or less finished or, or something like that if before you put it out or put it out there. If you plan on putting it out there in the first place, it's not just like waiting until it's like, you know, published a traditional way or something or in an anthology or whatever. But I would say don't go too long without the feedback because I think the feedback would help immensely in any future edits or future stories that you you would do yeah but that's just my experience of it yeah i th i think i i think i tend to err on the side of posting too soon because mm -hmm. i did that for dark wizard of don kirk and it's not it's not like it's not clean i actually someone graciously offered to edit it for me because i was like mm -hmm. i'm never gonna have the time to do that so we'll see what we'll see what comes with that but um it's kind of one of those things where i kind of it the story is out there and now it's it's hard to clean after the fact and it's like are people are gonna read this again to have a, like more polished edited version of it right and like how many how many people are actually refraining from reading it because it's not in that state yeah because it doesn't claim to be in that state but yeah i think about that i think about that sometimes is I, I i do like the feedback it makes a story feel more alive to me but it's kind of their their arguments for and against yeah going back to the um, Fedor's principle there's this idea of the silent ones are the first to leave something like that um yeah uh where like you you won't always know if something is bad or or did it made a mistake or something like that uh because not everyone who make who who reads a chapter that comes out and then decides all right that's enough story for me uh will let you know that about that yeah but yeah there's there's that feeling of like how to deal with comments like that that like I think everyone gets once in a while. I've gotten a few reviews like that for particular chapters in Pokemon that like, like, like well, this is the point where I stopped reading. One of them, one of the more memorable chapters was the uh, Viridian Fire, where which is the first time the story gets really kind of serious. And so obviously there are some people who are like, you know, not looking for that kind of level of seriousness in a Pokemon fanfic. And so like feedback like that doesn't bother me. It's just like, all right, this is just not, you know, that recognition as the writer that like, this is not the story for everyone. So it's okay if some people get turned off by chapters like that another chapter that i've gotten one bit of feedback on that before was the uh build chapter which i think particularly came from someone who just didn't some of the comments that he'd made before that uh in, in previous reviews just seemed like he didn't like rationality and rationalists and stuff like that so he felt like he was kind of yeah semi-hate reading uh the story but it was it wasn't to the point where I didn't like appreciate his his feedback, it was just to the point where it was like clearly like I was getting insight from a reader that was like very outside the target audience. But that chapter apparently went too far for him, and, and like fair enough, so he stopped reading after that too. Yeah. But reviews like that are I think also worth paying attention to, just so you have a better idea at the very least of what 
your story is, like who your story is for. And if it, if you if you get upset by reviews like that, I think it's worth paying attention to that feeling because yeah, it will tell you that like there's clearly some disconnect between what you want your story to be and what it is to certain readers, certain kinds of readers. Yeah, and I've talked before about signaling to readers what mm-hmm. kind of story it is, and I think that's like hugely important, but it's also very hard to do. It's hard to do that in a title or a blurb. Like a blurb is usually what people will read before they read the story. Yeah. Failing that, you want to indicate in the first chapter, this is going to be a story of type X, right? Mm-hmm. Just so you can say to a bunch of those people who are just don't like stories of type X, hey, this isn't for you, right? right? You don't want them to just get all upset because you're telling a story they don't want to listen to. But yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to signal to readers what what type of story it is and it also depending on the type of story you don't necessarily want to signal mm-hmm. right because like if there's a twist in your story you don't want to telegraph that to everyone who you know th- there are going to be x percent of people who don't like stories with a twist of that nature right and they're just going to have to bail at that particular chapter mm-hmm. it also often comes down to this this feeling of if you've got the ability to Edit your story, which I would consider one of the, the major advantages to writing online. Yeah. Is the ability to go back and edit the story is that once you get to certain points in the story and you realize that, like, there are people who are reacting in particular ways to the direction the story went that, you know, maybe was not telegraphed as well. Um, I would, I would, I would say that, like, you know, as long as it doesn't alter the fundamentals of the story as you want it to be, like, you needed a certain tone shift, like, to happen. It's yeah. a good, it's a good idea to take that feedback retroactively and just kind of, like, try and drop hints of it uh earlier yeah because it's different it, from there's a difference between like a tone shift in a story that you want to um you want to you, that you want to have as part of the narrative and just like having a story that starts off one way and then becomes something very different right tone the difference between tone shift and tone drift yeah exactly yeah yeah which can be a, a difficult thing especially i think stephen king says you shouldn't spend more than a season writing a, a novel mm-hmm. because it, it you're, you're like outlook on your outlook on life and on the story can change in that time and you you're like in a different place when you're writing the second half or something like that which is an interesting outlook i don't really agree with it yeah i love stephen king but i think this is a case where i would kindly tell him to go fuck himself because yeah. this is uh maybe a typical mind fallacy on his part where he thinks that other writers can knock out a novel every season yeah Right. But, the, you know, the truth to that, obviously, is just that you can absolutely look back at your old writing and be like, well, there's no way this is, like, the way I would write this now. Like, there's no way that this is as good as it, as it, as it should have been or could have been or whatever it is. And that absolutely can also apply to stories that you're writing as you're writing them. Yeah. If anyone ever has had the experience, as I have, of writing a story out and then as soon as, like, you reach the end, basically looking it over and... and restarting from the beginning with like completely different changes multiple times sometimes that's something that you know like you've got you've got the experience and insight of uh, the finished work to, to work on it with which is great but being able to get feedback as you're going is part of what helps avoid that from happening i think because yeah. those those novels that i've written that you know were completed and then rewritten then completed then rewritten were just private things like i never like, I, I got very little feedback from other people as i was writing them yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about types of feedback? Because there, I think, I don't think I have a good taxonomy mm-hmm. of different types of feedback. But they're like, typos are a totally different beast 
from right. people expressing personal preference. I type typos. I hate so much that the like little errors that are just so easily corrected. I just I, I have trouble seeing them. I guess because mm-hmm. I, you know, you think that's bad. I've I've gone back. <laughs> So we all do these these like type of thread things, which have become kind of a you know semi norm, and we get like very helpful people who will come in and show you all the typos that you made in the chapter, which is great and like helps a lot in editing, like doing like edit sweeps and and cleaning up the chapter and all that stuff. But I've actually gone back in to fix a typo, and then made a new typo as I was fixing the typo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I just wouldn't even notice it because I was just you know I'm just in the flow of going in editing, going in editing, whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, so. Those kinds of feedback obviously are really frustrating to see pop up on your notifications, um, but also super useful. Yeah, my only my only issue is when people do it for things that aren't typos, mm-hmm. which happens occasionally. People will be like, "Hey, there's a typo," and then you go, "You're like, mm, is that the rule?" Yeah, people make mistakes. Yeah, people make make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes it's stylistic things. Yeah, that that's the other thing is that just adjacent to typos are issues of style that people have different opinions on. Like just recently, it was whether or not you should put a hyphen in preeclampsia, and m- the majority way of doing it is to not have a hyphen in it, but like it helps with readability. Yeah, it's, it's between the pre and eclampsia. Right. Yeah. They, those those issues of style they come up fairly frequently, and sometimes people just want you to use their own personal preference as far as style goes. Especially this this can be the case if you try to write more naturalistically mm-hmm. rather than with like proper AP style. Commas after names is is the thing for me. Like grammatically, this is one of my rebel moments where I'm just like. Look, sometimes to me a comma means a pause. If I put a comma in, it's because the person paused ever so slightly while talking. Yeah. If I don't put a comma there, it's because they didn't. So I know there's a rule where you've got to put a comma after a name or, or before a name in dialogue, but I don't do it all the time. And so obviously I'll get a lot of typo responses of like, hey, you need to put a comma there. Yeah. And sometimes I'll look at them and I'm like, okay, you know, I can. It's like I've recontextualized it in my head where now they can, I can just put the comma there. But other times I'll just be like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. Which means that anyone who reads the chapter with an eye to typos is just going to keep sending me that, that moment as a typo. Yeah. But it's okay because like it's kind of what we sign up for, right? Like it's. It's okay for people, I think, to try to be helpful and most of the time, I think, be helpful. I've got so many people who have just given me like lists and lists of typos after every chapter, and I appreciate it every time because it's, yeah. it's helping me out. It's helping every reader who comes after them out. So yeah, that's like the first, <laughs> I would say the first kind of, of feedback that you can get would be, like you said, typos and then like stylistic differences. And even if you might, you know, disagree with some of the stylistic differences, yeah. I think those are, those are the, the most basic kind of feedback you get. Yeah, well, there's there's spelling and punctuation and grammar style, and then there's also some people will give you feedback on like deeper style, like they don't like the way you do your descriptions of mm-hmm. people. They don't, they think you need more or you need less, or uh, that the most obvious one is people get some people are like I don't know the specifics of how this person looks. I, we talked about this in our episode on description actually. How some people will just and I I usually just gloss over descriptions. When I read, because I just will build up my own image of how that person looks. And unless it's super important, you know, their hair color, which it doesn't tend to be, I can they can just look however I want them to look in my head. And right. that's fine with me. Other people, I, I'll occasionally get either feedback that there needs to be more description of people 
or people will message me and they'll be like, hey, give me the specific details of how this person looks. It's like, well, I give you a paragraph of the, the their like standout features and stuff, but it's... Yeah, so this is something that I, I think I would kind of classify with, uh, what's it called? Kind of close to... It's not quite wise reading, because if I remember correctly, wise reading is meant to just be like, just to tell the author how the story made you feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not quite that, but it's something along the lines of like, the reader telling you as the author where the story descriptions, where the story is writing, didn't give them enough. Like they wanted more, or they wanted something different. And that's, I would probably say, usually some of the less helpful kinds of feedback I've gotten. It it sort of depends for me because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like um, I'll get things like you know the, this was under described. You say they're just like in an office, mm-hmm. they're they're in like the, a room in this office, and I'm like trying to picture what that is, and I'm like, well, sometimes it's because I made a specific choice as far as economy of prose went, mm-hmm. and I thought like a building in an office room was descriptive enough, didn't actually matter for for setting the scene, you know. Right. It's like you could picture whatever you want. It's not the differences between me as the author communicating what an office looks like to you as the reader. If I don't describe specifics, then it's because it doesn't matter. Like yeah, sometimes I it's because I had it in my head mm-hmm. what the thing looked like, and I actually did do a poor job of of conveying that. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's what I was actually going to say next was that like the exceptions to when this isn't really helpful is when I think someone will point out that something just didn't make sense to them. Yeah. Like, if you if you write an action scene and someone responds back, like, this was kind of confusing, like, I didn't really get what happened here, like, it, you, you should probably describe a little more, like, what this person does here or what, what this looks like and that kind of thing. Like, that's great because, to me, that's actually, like, I, as the author, have not actually conveyed what was in my head appropriately. Right. Whereas if it's someone something like, not that I've ever gotten feedback specifically like this, but if, like, there's some minor character and you know, you don't really describe, like, what they look like or what, how they're dressed or something. And if someone were to say something like, you know, I had trouble picturing this character in my head, it's probably because I, as the, as the author, didn't really picture them much in my head. Like, that's, yeah. you know, like, I, I have a kind of vague idea of what a, like, merchant at a store looks like. And there's no particular reason for me to have conveyed that information, so I didn't do it. And if someone else wanted it, that's totally fine. But it's just, a, like, it's it's closer to a stylistic difference than it is a typo. It's closer to a personal preference than it is a like actionable feedback as opposed to the uh you try to describe something this way it didn't really make sense to me it didn't really work for me can you try rewriting that or adding more detail or something like that which is totally i think useful very useful yeah one of the things that people sometimes people will build up their own model of how something is and they'll kind of get stuck on it Mm -hmm. i find that kind of feedback useful is like people when people say oh this doesn't make sense because of this er earlier thing it's like well I mean that that is a problem of the prose if it's if it's unintentionally ambiguous like that. Right. Um I find that helpful though to to sort of you know I I used to um I used to err on the side of ambiguity just cuz I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked um being a little more impressionistic and I've kind of moved away from that I think because of the feedback that I sort of persistently have gotten when issues like that come up. It's one of those things where being more specific hurt sometimes hurts the pros a little bit, but it yeah you, you're kind of aiming for the minority there who will have a problem with it, I mm-hmm. guess. 
So that would say that was like that's like the more or less the second form of feedback. The this didn't work for me. This didn't, wasn't clear to me. Kind of criticism, constructive. Yeah, usually constructive criticism. Yeah, and then there is people saying what they did and didn't like mm-hmm. as a sort of expression of their own personal thing. They'll just see a thing and they'll be like, "Hey, I don't like." You know, you include a fox in your story, and they'll just leave a comment like, "Hey, I don't like foxes." Mm-hmm. That would be for me the third category of feedback and sometimes it's like i don't know you like drop a reference and people are like hey that reference it's that was i got that Mm -hmm. and that's fine and then other people just like it i don't know it's not the story for them and you get that kind of feedback i don't find that helpful or actionable because it's just like you know someone came to left a comment on work the candle that was just like i don't like these flashbacks because i don't care like i i don't read fantasy to read about people in the real world Mm -hmm. right and that's not i mean that's obviously not anything i can do anything about except maybe trying to make it more engaging but if you if you're just saying like outright that that's not a thing that you look for in a story then i i I can't do anything about it the opposite side of that is just people who are like really gung-ho about the premise Mm -hmm. which is fine but it's not it's again not like helpful or actionable yeah it's not really something you can change that much if one like once the story is in progress yeah i think we've used we've used the phrase actionable um a few times now i think it's worth kind of like delving into that a bit like i think for me all feedback should be either encouraging or actionable yeah that obviously doesn't mean that like you can't have feedback that says negative things it just means that if it's going to say negative things we we tend to call this like constructive criticism we want it to be something that you can use as the writer to make the story better because it's totally fine to get the you know simple hey i really enjoy your story hey i really like this chapter hey this character is really great but it's even better to have something actionable on top of that and if something is not encouraging because it's you know something about the story that the reader didn't like you still want it to at least be an actionable something that isn't so vague that you just kind of are like left feeling like the person just wanted to express what didn't work for them Right. Which is okay. Like, right? Like, if something doesn't work for a reader, that's, like I said before, you kind of just have to accept that as a, as an author uh, and not get too upset about it. But it's usually, if that's the case, it's usually vague enough where you don't really have anything you can change about the story that'll help with it. But at the same time, if it's something specific, it also can't be something spe- so specific that, like, doesn't make sense to you as the author of the piece to change it. So, like you said, like, if you include a fox and someone's just like, I just don't like foxes. Yeah, well, that's, you know, the story has a fox in it. So that's, sorry. Like, I could take the fox out. That's that's an action that I could take Yeah. to to respond to your feedback and improve the story for you. But it's integral to the story that a fox is here. Or I just like the fox. Like, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the feedback isn't asking me to do something that's against the spirit of the story or against the, the point of what I wrote. Yeah. Which is, I think, important. There are obviously exceptions to this where, like, if I where to write a scene into a story where it's, like, explicit, too erotic, whatever it is, like, uh, the violence is too explicit, the sex is too explicit, there's some kind of, like, use of language that makes people uncomfortable, or something like that. It's definitely an actionable thing, where you can just be like, okay, I'm gonna kind of just tone down that, like, gore, or tone down that sexuality. So that's something that you can get as, like, this is how the story or writing made the reader feel. Is a very clear action I can take to ameliorate it and then you just kind of have to decide whether or not 
like that that to you is important and for some people it's definitely not like some for some people you will be writing the story explicitly because you want it to be explicit yeah and for other people it's like oh well you know if you get enough feedback on the story and kind of like we talked about before like you know if it's too abrupt a shift uh, or a drift or if it's not really fitting into the rest of the story or something like that like it's it's worth paying attention to that kind of feedback to see whether you really want it to be part of the story or not and that's one of those cases where you've got something you've got something that I think will will like be worth keeping an eye on in terms of if you consistently get enough feedback on on certain things like that like you should probably wonder about who your target audience is and whether you're writing for them or not yeah I think that you can sort of divide actionability up into like stuff that you can realistically change about this story as it is and stuff that you can change going forward and like it within that story and then stuff that you can use for other stories, I mm-hmm. guess. But it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to know what's what I, t- I tend to ignore feedback that is just, you know, I, I like, I have a specific preference towards X or Y, you know, like, uh, people have said they don't like harem elements of worth the candle. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, that's good to know. I, I'm, it's, it's good to know that you don't like that, I guess, but it's not, or, or someone, someone was like, oh, I don't like lit RPGs. It's like, well, it's, <laughs> It says in the description, <laughs> like, you know, in the first chapter, it's like, I don't, this is a lit RPG story. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of feedback that you get that you just kind of have to dismiss because you don't know, like, who's leaving it. You don't know, like, what their perspectives on things are, and it just doesn't come off to you as useful as the writer. And so people who leave feedback will often have a explicit reason for leaving that feedback sometimes it's i would actually say most often it's really just to say hey i like the story or hey this is really good or like a reaction to something in the story in a way this is kind of maybe selective to stories that have like following like you don't mostly get negative feedback on stories that have consistent readers i feel like if you do if you like you if you see that shift again that's that trend thing where like you start to notice more and more negative feedback which is definitely worth paying attention to but generally speaking like i think for the most part it's just like i just want to let the author know that i enjoy this thing yeah. but every so often you also will get people who just like want to let the author know that they don't enjoy this thing which is just kind of the flip side of that coin and you just just like you know i can read a hundred hey the story is going great you know everything's you know the story's great i really enjoy it keep it up and those kind of just like pass over because it's like it's nice to read but there's nothing for me to do with that it's just encouragement as the author you just kind of have to take those and pit them against the occasional the story sucks or i didn't like the story or this this thing bothers me and just be like again it's not for everyone this person clearly had something that they didn't like about it and do your best to be like all right that's okay move on yeah i think i think it's very important to know that those kind of people and that kind of feedback exists and is one of the things you're going to run into, because I think the first time you run into that, you might just misdiagnose what the problem is, mm. right? Sometimes it's just a reader story mismatch, and that's that might be down to, to the, the signals that you give to them coming in about what kind of story it's going to be. Sometimes it's just 
not for everyone, but if you sort of miss that that's what's going on, you can end up trying to alter things that it doesn't really serve the story to alter, mm-hmm. I guess. The other side of that is that uh, you get marketability feedback, right? Like, if a lot of people are just, like, turned off by the fact that everyone in your story is a furry, <laughs> right? Or is an anthropomorphic animal, right? Right. And you get a whole bunch of feedback that's like, I don't, I don't read stories about furries. And you didn't know that that was an aversion that people had. I think that can be that can be valuable feedback. Yeah. And so in that situation, that would be the case of, like, all right, well, this is a trend I'm clearly seeing from the audience that I expected, I guess, to like the story but didn't. Maybe it's time to shop the story to a different audience, um, which I think comes down also a lot to like where you frequent your stories. So I know there are a lot of different websites that host stories online. Obviously, a lot of people will use like very generic ones like fanfiction.net or AO3, which is archive of our own. And then there's like sufficient velocity and um, space battles, right? Like. Yeah. There are all these different places that will have their own, like, kind of generic platforms for, for fiction. Uh, but there are also very specific, like, fandom forums or forums specifically for certain kinds of genres. And those are the kinds of places that you might be very successful with a certain story in that would not be super successful elsewhere. Yeah. Which I think is worth, it's worth noting your demographic in that respect. Because if you're doing traditional publishing, you kind of have a whole, marketing team making sure that like you've got the right genre that's going to be targeted at the right audience is put in the right part of the bookstore all that different stuff whereas if you're not doing the traditional publishing route you just kind of have to put it out there and hope that people like it so it's worth paying attention to who's going to be reading it so before you know like whether they're going to like it or not like it yeah so the last kind of feedback that we'll talk about in our loose taxonomy is is what called deep criticism as more like literary criticism where people will take They'll take your story and they'll analyze it for themes and like ideas, symmetry, uh, narrative structures, stuff like that. Uh, very, very uncommon because it takes more work as part of it. And a lot of people don't have the training or interest for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I find, I tend to find it interesting, I guess, if maybe not always helpful, right? Like, uh, I got someone who was analyzing um, Worth the Candle for, like, structural th- and, and narrative themes within each subsequent book. And we're up to, like, book five now. And they were mm-hmm. like, okay, so the, the narrative themes of this first book is death. And and then it was it was all about, like, how you can tie the different events and the different elements of backstory. And, the like, here's where it sits in the hero's journey. And I love that kind of stuff. And I do try to write stuff in mind that's sort of like thematic cohesion. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's helpful to get in the sense that if you're trying to write with a specific theme, people analyzing for theme or for like symmetries of narrative elements it can tell you how good you're doing, I guess, or can sort of show you results from that effort. But it, I, I would say in terms of the taxonomy of feedback, it's very different from people talking about what they liked or didn't like, or people talking about like typos or, or style or things like that. Mm-hmm. Is there is there an example of uh, something recent that you got from that that you found very helpful? Um, I think I hadn't fully hammered out the sort of ur structure of books for Worth the Candle. I think I, I didn't until I was on book three or something. I was sort of like 
I sort of like playing it by ear. But now it's now it's in a more definite minor arc, major arc, new companion for each book mm-hmm. as a way of sort of making individual books more cohesive with each other in a sense mm-hmm. like so that there is a structure to a specific book that sort of defines what a book is in the parlance of the work mm-hmm. and i didn't really hammer that out until i got this like long comment about like ind- individual themes within each each book like each book is about a different subject which was which was true but i i sort of didn't think anyone would notice or care that i was doing that i guess right any major changes that you've made to the story from from um, reader feedback or other stories, not necessarily mm. with Candle? I the biggest change I ever made from reader feedback was in Branches on the Tree of Time, which had a, a different ending. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you've mentioned this before, right? Yeah, it was it was a much more sort of utopian ending that didn't mm. feel wholly earned, I guess, and it didn't really fit within the tone of the rest of the book. And so I just, I scrapped the last chapter and I wrote a new version that was much more well-received and which I liked a lot better. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's, it's worth having some kind of a negative note to a positive ending or positive note to a negative ending. Like you want a dark ending to be bittersweet in some respect, I think. And you want a happy ending to have some kind of like sort of Damocles over it. Yeah. This is done really well in Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. You've got this, like everything turns up great, but also like there's this potential that he's going to destroy the universe. Yeah. And he just has to like abide by this really restrictive oath that like stops him from making a mistake that would potentially have ended the universe like within a chapter after his, you know, triumphant victory. So like things like that really kind of help sell an ending and make them solid. So yeah, I think Branch in the Tree of Time did that really well. And that's the kind of, Feedback that I think also is really useful that you got, that you got something that was like very like, and this ending feels undeserved, this ending feels too happy, this ending, you know, is blah, blah, blah. That kind of strong response to the end of a story, I think is really always worth paying attention to also. Yeah. Um, Because usually writers have like a fairly, I'm going to say that in my experience, writers either have a very vague idea of how a story ends, (laughs) Stephen King, (laughs) Yeah. Or they have a very specific form of ending that they want, that they're like they're reaching towards the entire time. Yeah. And if you are of the latter variety, then it's one of those things where you might, by the time you reach the ending, you might stick with the ending that you started with without realizing that it doesn't fit anymore. And so it's always good to kind of take in feedback on that. And if you're the former kind, then obviously any feedback you get on the ending can should probably be like useful to you. Yeah. I'd say more generally in terms of feedback, I, I tend to take that feedback into the next work more than a current work because i usually have i usually have some sense of what a work is and where it's going and what it's doing and why and if i don't then it's usually never going to see the light of day mm-hmm. but if i get some feedback especially especially like thoughtful construction constructive criticism i'll tend to take that into the next work more but that's partly due to I don't know, especially editing is kind of thankless Mm -hmm. and it can feel like spinning your tires if it's editing for a work that's been, you know, it's been published. Yeah, I think I always feel like this comes down to the the author a lot, too, because some people really enjoy editing. Some people really hate it. And some people can just get trapped in like an endless cycle of editing, either self-imposed or otherwise, or because they feel pressured to do so by, you know, feedback they get. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think... 
I always appreciate the opportunity. I think I'm going to say I, I always appreciate the opportunity to get the feedback and then do what I can with it. Like, because having it's better than not having it, you know? Like, it's always, like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is, like, a privileged position to take. But, like, I would rather get the feedback and then decide to ignore it than not get the feedback at all. And then, like, not not feel compelled. I mean, if you feel compelled to edit, I guess that's a problem. But, like, and then, like, choose not to edit because the feedback doesn't matter anymore. Like, because the story yeah. was, like, published five years ago. And, like, you know, you're not going to go back and change it now. Yeah. Especially if, if going back and changing it changes it significantly enough that you people who come back to it then like what happened to the story confused yeah. or they're they're like hey this all these comments from like five years ago don't make any sense so yeah i, I don't know it's kind of i i tend to be on the less editing side i think i especially especially in the last year with worth the candle it's I, i've just been sort of forward focused more than in the past, and I, I do sometimes take in feedback for like future stuff. I don't know. You usually, usually feedback like amplifies feelings that I've had mm-hmm. more than it does completely change my mind, right? Like right. if I am if I'm like, ugh, this is like dragging a little bit, and if people are like, hey, this is dragging a, li- a little bit, and I'm like, oh yes, I was yeah. I was right, and <laughs> this this is like something I really need to do something about now, rather than. Rather than just like totally changing my mind, it sort of reinforces, you know, what I am actually correct about. And then sometimes, you know, if if I if I'm like, oh man, this ending is totally lacking intention, and then I get a bunch of feedback. It's like, oh, this is a great chapter, I loved it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, right. That wasn't something I needed to worry about as much. I think there's also a form of feedback that a lot of people will get when they're writing uh, serials, particularly where people will like ask a question and find some part of the story confusing or like you know say that like there's something something wrong with the story and you as the writer might explicitly be like not mentioning that in the story because you want to be a surprise or like it would be spoiling to put it early or something like that and you just kind of have to like trust that the reader will trust you to resolve it eventually right that's always like a really tough position to be in like i I was reading um twig and there was a question that I had. Uh, Twig is a, a online serial by Wildbo. It's his third one. And like the others, it's super long. And I was reading it and enjoying it. And there was a problem that... There was something like nibbling at the back of my mind as I was reading it in terms of like... There was this little nitpick that kept bothering me every time it showed up. It was like a character doing something... Uh, or, or there was an aspect of a character that didn't seem to make sense to me in terms of... In relation to the story. I don't really leave feedback on like completed works until i get to the end usually like i I don't do the like chapter to chapter like thing that some people do but like you know i was thinking if i got to the end uh, i might have like brought it up just because i was curious yeah and then like because like i said it's very long something like a hundred chapters in like where it goes in arcs but like you know a hundred individual like sub sub arc chapters in randomly like this aspect of the story like gets brought up and not just explained but like retroactively makes more sense yeah and so like it's times like that that i was like oh shit like i don't know if wildbo has gotten feedback from others as he was writing the story and then finally like realized oh yeah that's something that should probably be like explained and made sense or if it was just something that was going on in the back of his head the whole time and he just didn't have the right moment to bring it up in the story because that's what happened to me all the time where it's like, yeah, that, that yeah. happens to me a lot, too. Yeah, there's like there's world building in my head, but there's just like there's no real 
good place to put it in the story just yet that would make it like explained well and like be engaging and all that stuff so i just just ends up like not going in for like chapters and chapters and chapters but yeah that's another thing that just like is an interesting part of like giving feedback to ongoing stories or, or feedback where you can give like on a chapter to chapter basis that's different for online stories than it is finished completed published works where like you know no one's going to read like a chapter and then send a letter to the author then read another chapter and send a letter to the author and then like right or even like online like you're not going to have like a book come out and then people will be like three chapters in and then making posts about it usually because they're just like you know read the whole thing and then go online to see what people are talking about to avoid spoilers maybe that's just me i don't know how other people read novels but yeah so there's always different kinds of feedback that you're going to get like some of it's really valuable it's kind of hard to always clearly tell the difference between constructive and criticism and not constructive criticism um like you know just just discarding all the very obviously like insulting or, or blatantly rude ones but even really rude feedback can be useful sometimes just because like yeah tone and substance are two different things you know <laughs> like so just keeping in mind that like you know if you're if you're looking for specific kinds of feedback in your story keeping keeping all the different kinds of feedback in mind when you're looking over looking feedback over for what's for what's actionable to you is like good to do as a as a writer i think yeah you know i was gonna add a thing in about building up models of readers it's, it's one of those things where you sort of like you see the same faces show up every yeah every week or every month or whatever and it's like, oh, I, I know what this person likes and does not like, and that their feedback sort of gets colored based on that. Yeah, I actually find those kinds of feedback really useful, though, because it, like, it gives you this sense of sample audience feedback where, like, you got this person as representative of a certain kind of reader, and then you get to see what they think of, like, every chapter as it comes out, you know? Yeah. Or every few chapters as it comes out, or whatever, however, however often they review. And so, like, I get a lot of enjoyment out of, like, getting their feedback on certain things. So I get to get, it's kind of like getting to know your readers more. And then if they're the kind who will, like, offer, you know, predictions about what's going to happen next in the story, I have a few readers like that who I really enjoy reading their stuff like that. So, yeah. And there's, I've had, I've had readers that also, like, will read the entire story and then point out a bunch of things that, like, they want explanations on. And they thought were, like, worth exploring more and like them asking those questions have forced me to kind of like reconsider them or, or consider them more so yeah is there anything that you in particular try to do when you leave feedback to stories i very rarely leave feedback gotcha well i have to be i have to be fairly invested in a work to leave feedback and i have to be i don't know i have to be in the right mindset for it i do tend to argue with other people i guess mm-hmm like, I am more likely to argue with a comment someone else makes about pacing or uh, style or tone or theme or things like that than I am to leave that kind of comment unprompted, mm-hmm. I guess. That's partly because, I don't know, it's, it's the, you know, someone is wrong on the internet type yeah. thing yeah. that I fall victim to very often. But, yeah, I don't, I, I tend to try to understand the constraints that the author was working on uh, working under and sort of what they were going for because i think one of the, the one of the things i don't like is when people leave feedback that sort of i don't know like you're reading a children's book and you're like hey there's a plot hole here i, yeah. th- I think that's acceptable in in a children's book to, mm-hmm. to have like i i read a lot of children's book because my my son's too but uh <laughs> i i think it's it's okay to you know have your own 
style and sort of logic that you're working within. And it kind of bugs me when people will leave feedback that ignores the intended audience and it's just sort of like ripping on something that's not, that was never meant for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to, I try to think about the author and the constraints they were working under and what type of work they were attempting to produce and then criticize or leave feedback that is sort of analyzing what the author is trying to do in terms of what they were aiming to do rather than what my ideal version of that story would look like. I also tend to write fanfic rather than leave feedback. Gotcha. A lot of which never gets published, but it's sort of like I I see a really good German idea that I didn't think was executed very well. I'll just write my own version rather than right, right. rather than leave feedback. It's like, hey, this wasn't my ideal version of this story because I know I'm not that typical of a of a reader. So gotcha. Yeah. I, do you, do you leave a lot of feedback? Um, I also don't read it that much. Is the other thing I should say. I <laughs> I spend like four hours a day writing. Yeah. Uh, and then I just don't have that much time to read. I I follow like three or four serials, something like that. And... Yeah. Um. I actually yeah. I don't feed. I don't leave that much feedback either. I sometimes will leave a, a review or a comment. Um. On a completed story. Like once I get to the end of it, just kind of like show appreciation for the story, mention how much I enjoyed some things of it from it or things like that. I'll very rarely will, will I leave chapter to chapter kind of feedback or even like arc to arc kind of feedback. Sometimes if I see a new story pop up on our rational and it's got at least like five or six chapters in or something like that and it's on a topic that I'm interested in, or like a canon that I'm interested in, then I'll like, you know, read a few chapters and then say I'm enjoying this or give some kind of like encouragement in that sense. But the when I do leave feedback, I try if it's if it's in any way like negative to not just try to make it constructive, but I will actually give examples of what to write for that paragraph or that line or that, you know, concept or whatever instead, just as an example of like something try to make it as actionable as possible, which I feel like is like the least I can do as someone who knows what it's like to get negative feedback on, on things. Yeah. 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 And part of that is because I try to hold myself to a higher standard for like online discourse. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like it's so, it's easy to leave feedback. I try to, I try to do it more mm -hmm. um, or I just leave feedback like, Hey, I really enjoyed this. You know, that just feels like, I, I write stuff like that sometimes and I'm just like stare at it and I'm like, this is so, it's like a binary signal that I'm sending, you know, it's like a one or a zero. That's, that's all it is. And I, it just doesn't feel like valuable or all that much like communication. Um, it's very much a personal problem, but I, I kind of think about that sometimes when I'm, when I've like read a story that I liked, but it didn't like overwhelmingly like, and I'm just like, am I? You know, I, I don't want to spend the time to write a long thing, but I also don't want to just, like, send a really short thing that I feel like is is not up to my standards of, you right. know, communicating with people, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else on feedback? Uh, nope. Don't think so. All right. That's it for now, then. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave us any feedback you might have on the episode, and we'll be sure to go back and edit it. Yeah. <laughs> as appropriate. <laughs> <laughs>